I'm Janice Adams. Welcome to the show. Before the invention of the telescope, the Dogon people of Mali, West Africa, sighted a rare star, later called Sirius B, a little star of great importance. So imagine then how I felt at this year's Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival when a little star of a film, Team Dream, flared with great importance, capturing imaginations, changing the way we think of African Americans in swimming, changing lives and self-perceptions, taking us beyond our fears to the essence of joy, black joy. Black people can't swim. I don't buy that. I come from a history of swimmers. I am Madeline Murphy Rabb, 76 years young. I am Ann Smith, and I am 82. We're training for the National Senior Games. Team Dream, two women who decide as senior citizens to become competitive swimmers. Why swimming? Why is it so important? My great aunt told me that her father, who was a former slave, Ann Smith, went to Cornersville, Tennessee, to start a school and to start a church after he had attended what was the beginnings of Fisk University. He had 18 children, and he told them, one of you is going to live to be 100. And one of his daughters lived to be 99. And when she told me that story, I decided, well, I think that I will achieve his, uh, his dream. I will live to be 100. And I knew that in order to do that, you had to be healthy. You have to eat correctly. You have to use your body efficiently and all the time. Now, whether or not I will live to be 100, I don't know. But I am certainly striving to do that. And so for me, the swimming and all the athletic uh, things that I do are because I want to be healthy, because I would just like to uh, live to be 100, but I would also like to live to be 100 enjoying these later years. And I know that I can if I'm healthy. Madeline, what about you? I'm driven and I'm very competitive with myself. And frankly, when I think about it, Anne has been a huge influence on me because I introduced her to Derek. Derek Milligan, their coach. And then I look up and Anne has casually mentioned that she's got some medals. And I'm saying, you have what? And I had been telling Derek, who early on told me that he thought, that I was an athlete and that I could compete. And nobody had ever really told me that, although my family was very athletic, it wasn't something that we focused on. We focused on civil rights, education, you know, until Derek. And then this Ann Smith person, you know, <laughs> gets all these medals. And I'm like, I'm like a spoiled brat, I, I must admit. I want some medals. And she just, you know, Anne is so mellow and so cool. And she says, oh, okay, calm down. <laughs> I'm going to get you some medals, you know, and that's, that's how it started. And I had told Derek that I just wanted, I just wanted to swim 
for the joy and the relaxation. And he wanted, he early on wanted me to compete. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. But then Miss Anne entered the picture. So, but I really just like swimming. That's what my focus is. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm competing against myself. You don't need anybody to compete against. You've got yourself. I just love the statement that you make in the film. When you're competing against yourself, the sky is the limit, you say. Mm -hmm. I don't think these ladies know this about me, but I am not a swimmer. Team Dream filmmaker, Lucina Fisher. I learned how to swim after nearly drowning as a kid. Mm. And, um, you know, had a pretty awful first experience where a cousin left me in the deep end and I went under and had to be uh, rescued. So for me, water was always a little bit scary. And um, I am about facing my fears. And so when I got to college, I actually had to pass a swim test in order to graduate. Now, I could have gotten an exception based on my fears. I could have gotten permission to not pass this uh, exam, but I decided to try swimming again. And I took the class and it is one of my most memorable because I really had to push myself to do something I didn't know I could succeed at. Truth be told, I too don't really swim. The result of societal conditioning and a near drowning experience, yet I've learned to float. Like much of our relationships with swimming, there's a metaphor in that word float. There's also long-standing truth. Of the four women gathered for our interview, two of us elite swimmers, the other two not so much. 50% of our mini-population sampling had had near-drowning experiences. That's not unusual, says historian Kevin Dawson. African Americans are disproportionately much more likely to drown than white Americans. And it depends a little bit on where we are, but it could be eight to 20 times more likely to drown than white Americans. Africans and African-Americans were really strong swimmers, if we go back historically, until about 1900. And what began to happen at around 1900 is that really Jim Crow era racism was working against African-Americans to discourage us from from swimming. African-Americans were swimming up until about 1900 at natural waterways, along lakes, rivers, um, along the ocean. And what began to happen, though, in about the 1880s, 1890s, was that white Americans began to see beach culture as something desirable. So they saw African-Americans swimming and said, that's something that we would like to do. And so as white people began to, to do that, they began to force Black people off of the natural waterways where, you know, where our ancestors had been swimming. And the way that that was done was through racialized violence. And why are Black bodies on the move, driving while Black, walking in the park, bird watching while Black, swimming while Black, such a threat to white American culture? Dr. Kevin Dawson is author of the book, Undercurrents of Power, Aquatic Culture in the African Diaspora. 
That's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of it actually has to do with regulating white women's bodies. I mean, the whole reason, I mean, going back to the Middle Ages of discouraging swimming, it wasn't so much that white men were swimming nude. It was that white women were swimming nude and that that was seen as a, a sign of sexual promiscuity. Then you go to the 1880s, 1890s, and how covered up women were in their quote unquote bathing suits. There's examples of many examples of white women drowning in those bathing suits because they were too heavy for them to actually swim, even if the woman could swim. Kevin Dawson, an elite swimmer himself, what is his takeaway from the stories of Team Dream, octogenarians, Ann Smith and Madeline Murphy Rabb? I find it to be a really touching and inspiring story, coming full circle, right? These women reclaiming their African heritage, reclaiming their tradition, using their bodies to enjoy the ocean as, you know, generations of their ancestors had done. In a time when still waters, legacies great and not so, run deep indeed, what does it mean to break the waves, historical and cultural, and just swim? Anne Smith. Throughout my life, I have been working on social justice issues in education, the inclusion of women, voting rights, The last career that I have, and I've made myself over several times, was working for an organization where we did community organizing and uh, developed organizations in 19 states and in uh, Great Britain and in South Africa. So when we were asked to do the film, it was like the last thing that I would have thought I would be doing uh, to get attention because I had been accomplishing things and making a contribution for my entire career. So I had to begin to think about the swimming. And I remembered that every summer, there are more Black children who drown in this country than other children. And it's because they don't learn to swim. I did read somewhere that Swimming is the only sport that will save your life. And so I think that this swimming and swimming competitively and then putting it on film has made me decide that swimming or having the opportunity to swim or making sure that people have the opportunity to swim is a social justice issue because it will save lives. And so if anyone who sees the film learns to swim or learns to swim better or decides that they're going to be healthier as a result of swimming, then I'm honored. Madeline Murphy Rabb. When I competed in my first competition in Albuquerque, we walked up to this public facility and there was an Olympic sized pool There was a play pool with slides. There was an outdoor casual pool. And I looked up and I saw how much it cost for admission. It was like two bucks. I got so mad because I knew white privilege when I saw it. In our communities, we had nothing like this. And so, This whole thing about 
access to high quality facilities, it makes the opportunity for Black people to learn to swim a barrier. And that's what I hope that this story will begin to make people think that, that we have to insist on our elected officials putting more money into education for swimming. And so it is political. My mother used to say everything in life is political. And I come from this really fierce political family. My great-grandfather founded the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper 130 oh. years ago. And my family is the only family in the nation, black or white, where there are family running the newspaper. So I come from this really political and, and tenacious group of relatives. So this whole thing, this swimming is, is as Anne has so eloquently put it, it is political. Teen dream, a little star of a film of great importance. The story of competitive senior swimmers Anne Smith and Madeline Murphy Rabb. It's a film by Lucina Fisher. My thanks to Lucina Fisher, Madeline Murphy Rabb, Anne Smith, Kevin Dawson, and to you for joining me here on The Janice Adams Show today. For more about the show, visit my website, JaniceAdams.com. That's J-A-N-U-S Adams.com. In cooperation with WJFF Radio Catskill, post-production Jason Dole and Patricio Rabio, this show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, All Rights Reserved.